I'm Jack, your host, and this is the Right in the Feels podcast. Whether you're a guy trying to figure out your feels in this crazy, crazy world, or you're a woman trying to solve the puzzle of why men think the way they do, well, this show is for you. Hi, it is me, this is Jack, and this is episode 14. How are you guys doing, my friends? Well, before I start recording, I always take a moment to be present. Take a deep breath (sighs) to be in the now. And being in this moment, even as I speak, is to be present. To be present is to be grateful for the consciousness and energy and feels that flows through this mic and eventually transmitting to the device you are listening to right now. The flow of current is all love and appreciation that we can be in this together. The power in it is connection and of course, super cool technology. Man, that's so pure. Just beautiful and blessed, right in the feels. I mention all this because this will be a challenging episode to get through, if not the most challenging. Who knows, I'm still just a baby in this podcast journey though. I thought episode two, my dad is an asshole, was touch and go. I was on the verge of tears towards the end and definitely shed some. So if anybody out there is holding it all in, just let it go, that emotion. I know what it's like to hold it in and you can let it go if I can. Of course, you don't need to record a podcast, broadcast it to the world in an episode, letting it go like myself, but nonetheless, it is therapeutic. So maybe just let it go in the privacy of your own home in a safe space. I've struggled to put into words how to speak about my tiger mom, how to understand and relate to my tiger mom, not just for the purpose of today's episode, but my whole entire life. Still, just a couple of days ago, there was a struggle. We got in a heated argument. This is going to take every ounce of my vulnerability. You'll probably never ever listen to this, but I love you, mom. I'm not sure there are many things for people more personal than mom, more close to the heart, for better or worse. Moms represent on a universal level, unconditional love. At the end of the day, if you ever watched a birth and flashback alert, I distinctly remember being in middle school sex ed class. We were played the tape of a woman giving birth. And at the time, for a 13 year old Jack, it was horrifying. That scene forever burned into my mind. But moms, on the pregnancy journey, and I've had many girlfriends tell me that it's an arduous journey. Holy smokes, I can see why a mother's love never dies. As a man, men, we'll never understand that deep connection because we'll never have the capability to have a baby cooking in our stomach, a life just forming and baking for nine months, only to go through the miracle of childbirth at the end when the timer goes off. Because sure, it's nature. But it's a freaking miracle to squeeze a six to eight pound life through the most narrow of passages. My mind is blown. Biology, holy cow. Back to what this episode is about. The infamous tiger mom. My tiger mom. What happens to children of a tiger mom? Me. Most Asians out there know what a tiger mom is. If you know what I'm talking about, you feel my experience, my pain as my voice trembles and my lower lip is quivering speaking on this. Most Asians anyway. Shout out to subtle Asian traits. There was a post on Mother's Day in that group of a million plus going strong. 
on Facebook asking what is the best gift you can give an Asian mom on Mother's Day. And the top aggregate responses were one, money, two, grandchildren, three, advanced degree, four, a weird one, Tupperware? I don't get it. Five, handbags. And then down on that list was quality time and sentimental gifts. (laughs) That might be the best way of summing things up. The power, wrath, and influence and predictability, I guess, of the mighty tiger mom. I'm not going to make assumptions that everybody knows what a tiger mom is, so let's get through a crash course. Tiger mom is really meant to reference tiger parenting. What do we know about tigers? They are ferocious, powerful, and very territorial. And tiger parenting is being territorial over their children. The term tiger mom was coined by a Yale Law School professor named Amy Chua in her 2011 memoir, Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mother. Genius! And what an overachiever! Professor Amy must have made her parents super proud. Yale is like the holy grail, well, Yale and Harvard, for bragging rights for a tiger mom. I can just imagine any of Amy's friends growing up needing to hear from their parents, why can't you be more like Amy? Just be like Amy, damn it! Do everything she does and get into Yale. I'm suffering from PTSD right now as I'm hearing my own mom's voice in my head. Woo, gotta shake that one out. That is until Professor wrote her memoir, of course, exposing and coining the phrase Tiger Mom. Shots fired. Woo, woo, woo. Tiger Moms. I kid, I kid, of course. To put it plainly and mildly, Tiger parenting is having strict parents. This type of parenting is very common in East Asia, South Asia, and Southeast Asia. The common stereotype is a Chinese mom who ferociously, hence tiger, in an unrelenting manner pushes her kid hard to study but disregarding the kid's social and emotional development. And this podcast is all about emotional development. To put it in American terms or American comparison, it's probably like a stage mom or a pageant mom. I have a couple questions I want to dive into and explore. The first is why does tiger mom exist? Why does tiger parenting exist? For most of us, we just know it exists and we gotta deal with it our whole lives. And it's a lot to deal with, especially since the tiger mom does not seek to change her stripes. So for kids growing up in the US, being Americanized essentially, growing up in a society and culture that has shifted in its values, ideology, and consciousness, there is an immense struggle that takes place. The battlefield, let's call it. Do you dare to try to tame the mighty tiger on this battlefield? No. The tiger is not to be tamed. How dare you? So why does the tiger mentality exist though? Why is there a huge chasm, a divide between Asian American children and their tiger parents? Well, Confucius says, oh, you didn't see that coming, did you? Yes, Confucius, that old, and I mean old, Chinese philosopher. If we want to trace most origins of culture and society of Asia and Asians, it starts with that man. The most influential philosopher and his teachings are embedded everywhere, especially in Asian parents. This man promoted cornerstone attributes like filial piety. Huh? If you don't know what filial piety is, it's basically to repay your parents in respect and support them. Ensure male heirs, repay the burden of you existing, of the burden of them choosing to have you as a kid. All this sound familiar? Other attributes are family values, hard work, enduring hardships, honesty and dedicating yourself, oneself towards academic excellence through the pursuit of knowledge. All this stuff is in Asian culture, should sound familiar. Of course, 
Honesty equals brutal truth through the prism of a tiger mom. Savage truths. Did you gain weight? That makes you look fat. Just savage. Vallejo piety equals don't question your mom. She only wants the best for you, and this path is the way and only way to honor her. Hard work and enduring hardships is what many tiger moms had to go through, and they definitely don't ever make you forget it. And lastly, academic excellence is everything, everything in life itself. It is the sun, the moon, the universe. The expectation of academic excellence is the black hole, and to be sucked in relentlessly is the essence of tiger parenting. If you look at China, for example, Chinese society, education holds a cultural status as well as a necessity to improve one's social economic position, which is why it's so intense. This is directly linked to survival and climbing the ladder to improve standard of living for the family and future generations. Let's spend this next segment with the most personal part: my very own tiger mom, Mrs. Chen. To tell her story is to tell the story of love, perseverance. And frustration, the struggle of how she views me and how I view her—two ships passing each other in the night. The expectation, the disappointments, the guilt and shame, the fights, the tears shed or tears figuratively shed, because I haven't seen my mom cry very much. The views of each other through our tiger mom and son role—a story and tale of misunderstandings as old as time. A tiger mom and her cub. And one that is incomplete because my scope of her is so narrow and shrouded with fog. I love my mom to death. In many ways, for a long time, I viewed her as the sun in our solar system, and my sister and I revolved around her. She didn't grow up with much. Truly humble beginnings. I remember she told me growing up for her birthday she would get an egg as her birthday gift. I'm like an egg, one egg. We got a carton of those in the fridge, ma. I can get you a dozen for your birthday, organic, cage-free, free-range, for like five bucks for your next birthday. Man, life was so different for her growing up. She was a teacher. Education is in her blood. Before marrying my dad in Taiwan, as they were both born there and raised there, and had me only a year after they got married, and then one year after that, her world changed yet again when they immigrated to America. Both my parents started with. Nothing. So life was not easy. As my dad came to America to study, and guess what? Get an advanced degree. Education is in their blood. My childhood was my mom making do with very little and raising me. And eventually, my sister came into the world five years five years after I was born. All my toys and clothes were mostly from garage sales and secondhand. When I started playing sports to save money, my mom would buy me shoes two sizes bigger than my feet were at the time, so I would just grow into them. Makes sense, right? Asian ingenuity, thinking ahead. Not really when you see your kid playing soccer and his shoe is flying off his foot every time he kicks the ball. She still chuckles at that thought to this day. Her adjustment to an American lifestyle was not easy. She had to really learn English on her own. Raise me and do all her wifely duties without a support system in a foreign country. I can only imagine it must have felt really lonesome. Her whole family was in Taiwan, and there weren't many Asians in the communities my mom and dad had to settle in, as we also did jump around a lot. My dad finished his schooling in Texas, and we settled in Minnesota, where there was even less Asians, and where my sister was born before eventually ending up in good old California. I remember recently, in the midst and height of #StopAsianHate, I asked how much racism my mom encountered, 
as an immigrant, especially when she first moved to the U.S. She said, of course, so nonchalantly, like it was a fleck of dirt on her shoulder, which now is dirt off her shoulder, apparently. Many times as she was walking on the street with baby me in her arms coming back from a grocery store, people in their cars would yell obscenities, telling her to go back where she came from, and curse words. And in true Tiger Mom fashion, she just told me, you just don't pay attention to it and move on with your day. Power through. She got them hater blockers up, stun shades. Don't make a scene. No need to report it to the police or anybody else. As an adult now, I am beginning to only scratch the surface of understanding her hardships of being a new mom, not having much money at all, scrounging whatever they could get, adjusting to a whole new country and culture that in so many ways simply didn't welcome her. On top of that, my dad did not make things easier. He has never changed a diaper in his life. So all the baby raising and wifely duty part was solely on my mom. All this is to say it also did not help that my mom basically became a single mom when my dad left to Asia for work, never to come back starting from the time I entered the third grade. From then, she operated essentially as a single mother, the weight of the world on her shoulders. She transitioned from being a housewife to being a Montessori teacher to make money for the family. Years later, my mom, knowing my family needed more money, she went back to school to get her teaching credentials and became a middle school math teacher. And to get an even higher salary, she went back to school again to get a master's, all while balancing raising two children on her own. Her hustle is real and in my eyes, beyond measure. That's the line items to her story. But the story of a tiger mom and her cub are far deeper than these line items. This only sets the stage of the story of my tiger mom and her children, myself and my sister. Growing up, oh yes, my mom served up a mean dose of discipline, spanking, scolding, and yelling at full volume. She was neurotic, controlling, anxious, stressed, and loving, just a ball of fire like the sun. The pursuit of academic excellence was at the center of the expectations. Anybody out there listening right now know what Kumon is? It's the after-school math and reading program. My childhood was all about that. I feel your pain if you know Kuman. Overall, there was far less encouragement strategy, if at all, than there was just anger and disappointment when her expectations of us were not met. If I didn't pick up math concepts or was unable to solve a math question she thought I should be able to get, she motivated me by yelling at me and telling me that I can't be that stupid to not be able to figure this out. To put it in short, as a child, it felt like the weight of the world that my mom felt was also the same weight of the world that was on my shoulders. In the smallest things even, whether that be on solving this one math question or being an ideal kid. The idea of needing to be a perfect kid and not being able to make mistakes extended to all things. My sister and I laugh at this now, but for the most part, when you see children spill things and their moms get mad because the carpet gets stains, that makes sense. But my mom even got insanely mad at us when we spilled water. Freaking agua. Ni lao si do shang Translated to, you always do this. But mom, water will dry and the carpet won't stain. No, 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 you foolish child. Because in the future, the next time I spill, it might not be water. Anyway, only, the only way to condition us not to make mistakes is to get super angry. And she scolded hard enough that we should be able to understand the dire consequences. Basically, this is all to say it's fear-based training or techniques. In order to prevent somebody from making the same mistakes, you instill fear in them through discipline. 
I grew up feeling like my every little action had the intensity to it. You have to walk on eggshells. The intensity being if I get it wrong, there will be strong consequences. And the biggest consequences were always psychological, not the spankings. And it was really just disappointing my source of love, my mom, that the room for error was slim to none. As a child, you process these things in an extremely rudimentary level. And to begin to unfold them is not until years later as an adult. The forming of strict guidelines and parameters makes a lot of sense because if a tiger mom is in constant fear that their child will fail in this linear way they see a successful path or the linear way of how you see their your child should behave, then the only way to ensure success is to tighten the screws. Tighten the screws so tight that they are almost impossible to untighten later. These screws are so tight that many are overwhelmed when trying to untighten them later in life. My mom was all about tightening the screws. Oh, and another thing, the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. High quality of a tiger mom used to frighten me to no end. My mom could go on from scolding me and raging out uncontrollably to when she needed to pick up the phone call. Her voice would change instantly to being nice, the most pleasant person. So when other friends would say, oh, wow, your mom is so nice, I would always tell them, you have no idea. So aside from having very commanding guidelines, another common strategy as I alluded to earlier with Amy Chua, the mastermind behind coining the phrase Tiger Mom, is comparison. They say the thief of joy is comparison. They as in non-Asians apparently. Well, I tell you what, Tiger Moms are not bothered by whether you feel joy or not because the thief of joy to them is when you don't do what they want. Whoever it is, let's put it as the most common Asian names, whether that be Michael or Jennifer or Jeremy, Lynn, you, why did you have to go to Harvard, make the MBA, and, and, and in turn making millions, and also on top of that, be a good Christian boy? You gave Tiger Parents the ultimate ammo. Again, I kid, I kid. Love you, Jeremy. Thank you for giving all Asian American males hope and glory beyond measure, setting such a positive example, speaking up for Asians. But back to where I was, comparison. We all know, why can't you be more like blank? He or she got this grade on their test. This person got into this top tier school. It's never ending too because even after you grow up, this person is doing this in life, buying this house, having these kids. Your friend got married. Why are you still single? It's the black hole of the mighty tiger mom logic. Black hole of fear based on motivation technique. To teach is to discipline. To discipline is to make a pupil yield to a structure and culture of a planned life trajectory. So yes, my mom was much of all that. And this story could end well if I did everything that she said and had planned for me. But in her perspective, the story probably did not have a good ending if that was the plan because I didn't execute her plan at all or well. For most of my childhood up until high school, I just wanted to be the best kid. But underlying the behaviors I was exhibiting was only an indication of things to come. For the most part, I did excel in school because I really wanted her approval. But the small cracks in that foundation was my reaction to that pressure. In time, when I started not to succeed in the way that they was expected of me, I began to lie to get out of things. Since there really was no compromise of how to build up my psyche and mentality when I disappointed her or encountered failure, I chose to avoid it by hiding my failures. I saw this more clearly and strangely when Christine and I got a puppy. When our puppy Coco would poop in the wrong place, we used to scold her like really harshly. Uh, parenting technique that I got from my tiger mom probably 
And at first, she would poop in the right place. But over time, she would start to make mistakes again, and we would repeat the same scolding technique. But then we found out she would start pooping in secret in the wrong areas and exhibiting really guilty body language and behavior afterwards. So we had to change it up and reward her when she did do the right thing. And slowly her behavior changed. And now she is as proud as ever when she poops in the right place and much less fearful. That essentially was my childhood. I was Coco. I hid my poop. I, a lot of kids know this. The worst parts of the year was when your report cards would show up in the mail. I was deathly afraid, especially since when I knew my grades were that of a B even, because an A should be the norm. No, not an A, an A plus. I would race home from school just waiting by the mailbox. And because my mom was working her butt off every day, I would always get the report card before she got home. In the beginning, I would just hide it and say that it probably got lost in the mail. But obviously, my mom is not going to fall for tricks of that coming from a mind of a child. So leveling up, I would start opening my own report cards and try to find ways to doctor it, fading the B and trying to scribble in an A. Then I would take glue and try to glue back the sticky opening of the scantron of the report card. This was all hiding my poop. This was all behavior, not because I wanted to be naughty or trick my mom, but I didn't want to disappoint her because at the end of the day, I really cared to make her proud. For her to be proud was for me to achieve. For me, the achievement was to receive the love I longed for. Love was conditional, it felt. For the longest time, I just wished I could just be the smartest kid in the world and be able to sit down and do all my work and get the A's that my mom deserved for her to see from me. I just wasn't that kid. I had a lot going on, feeling like crap, low self-esteem. I was a disappointment. Not having my dad around in the strict discipline and feeling like the walls were closing in, that I couldn't embrace any other way to grow, made me feel trapped. As I got into high school, my pushback, my rebel ears became stronger. The teenage angst, suffocation, anger, and the inability to process my emotions was overwhelming. By the time college came around, I got so mad at my parents' struggling marriage and mistrust and betrayal from my dad that I pushed everyone away. I took off, ran away, needing to run away from it all because I didn't understand how else to solve my own internal issues. I ran away from a tiger mom that gave everything she could to her cubs, to me. It broke my heart as I am sure it did hers at the time. I vividly remember the angry phone calls I got at first and ignoring them. In time as I ignored them, the calls became less about anger and more about concern. And you know when Asian parents actually voice concern instead of anger as a cover for concern. It's getting real. Months passed and I dug more deeply into my depression, pushing away pain and pressure inside that I had no understanding of. The guilt and shame buried me deep. My mom, the sun of my life, was completely eclipsed. I wish I could tell you things got better fast, but what unfolded in my 20s to my mid-20s or even late 20s with my relationship with my mom has been through evolutions, painful ones, on both sides. I only started seeing the outside the perspective of a pain child outside of the perspective of a child with emotionally repressed parents until much later. So this leads me to the next question. How do we go from a survival mentality of a cub, of a tiger mom, to a healthy mentality? We can go into explanation of why a tiger mom thinks the way they do, and it comes down to many factors of what I mentioned earlier to why tiger parenting exists. It's cultural. It's environmental. It's passed down through generations. It's a strategy that seems to work when you look at how agents have excelled, not just in Asia, but here in America now. 
the fastest growing minority. Social economic growth of Asian Americans has been astronomical, much due to their success and strength in academics. It's also personal. A mom's job is so difficult, especially looking at my mom's life. She went through so many hardships to set me up for success. She worked tirelessly, days and tireless nights in raising us the best she could. It's a pressure cooker that I simply do not understand because I am not a parent, let alone a parent from her time and generation. Needing to endure hardships, like immigrating to a whole new country to find new opportunities, that they endured so that I wouldn't. With stress and pressure comes emotional distress, and that reflex is pushed and transferred onto children. The weight and expectations are that stress also. Her own parental influences were just as strict, a tiger mom's tiger mom. There are legitimate reasons to critique and take apart tiger parenting techniques. On one hand, it seems there's real proof, especially coming from the community I came from, Arcadia, total proof that it yields and produces exceptional top performers. But those same children becoming top performers will suffer a chronic and psychological toll. So the end game, yes, produce a top performer for a tiger mom. But what's the cost? The cost can't be measured from a tiger mom because when it comes to mental health, there isn't a discussion there. They choose not to measure the cost in, mental, in a mental health perspective. Survival is about achieving to a tiger mom and less about thinking in different dimensions of a child's development. Once their cubs are set up on this path, they will be happy. But happiness is really about mental health. And happiness really comes down to internal contentment and understanding. When you find happiness in a career, a passion, a hobby, it might not be in medicine or law or in piano or violin. That mindset is a fixed mindset and what many call a fear-based thinking. If you remember what I said earlier, the common stereotype is a Chinese mom who pushes her kid to study and disregarding the kid's social and emotional development. The focus on that sentence is disregarding the kid's social and emotional development. This is what cubs of a tiger mom struggle with the most and exactly is the separation. To build that bridge and understanding is really at the heart of the struggle. The battlefield and why is it so hard well the reason the phrase a tiger can't change its stripes a tiger mom can't change its stripes is because of deep conditioning environmental and cultural if confucius taught and embedded long ago in asian society a way to live and has been passed down through generations of time and over generations of people have seemingly benefited from it then there's no incentive or reason to change and continue to think in that dimension, that linear path to security because a tiger mom does want their kids to achieve and get status. But the heart of it is security, financial security, which equates to happiness and safety. And why is there a huge divide? Why is there this battlefield? East versus West. Ideology is part of it. I don't think Asian parents quite understand that they can raise their kids with old-fashioned values, values that they grew up with, but the influence of Western society is just as strong. When kids of immigrant parents are watching TV, they are seeing a whole other world, and they are living in that world at the same time. A white family with a mom and dad being friends with their kids. It's a wild concept. When you meet parents of your white friends, they say, just call me Sherry and John. Okay, sure, Mr. Calhoun. I'll never call you that. The world is completely different, and that's where the struggle is. 
Teachers in schools aren't bringing out rulers to spank their students anymore. They aren't using fear-based techniques to incentivize them. They are using encouragement to build up their self-confidence and self-esteem. To go from teachers in school encourage you that can you can do better than a B to parents at home destroying you for re- even receiving a B in the first place creates a lot of friction for a child. Let's not forget about filial piety. In Western society, they try to teach more equality versus hierarchy. They teach more openness to ideas than a fixed mindset. In modern society, your opportunities are far different than just being a lawyer, doctor, pharmacist, or accountant. When I was young, playing games was for losers, according to mom. But today, you have people streaming games on Twitch for a living, making far more than a doctor ever will, with less debt to begin with, or people playing games for a living. Esports is one of the biggest growing industries right now. There's so much to say and I feel like I could go on and on, but we can begin to unwind and focus back on less about the tiger mom, but more about the personal development of how to grow within having a tiger mom. As much as it's a fun thing to say that a tiger doesn't change its stripes, the tiger mom's ability to evolve her mind is possible, I'll bet sometimes seemingly impossible or incredibly slow. I've seen some change in my own mom. There are glimpses of it. Sometimes after the rain, there is a rainbow. We have been focusing a lot about the cause and effect, the cause of a tiger mom, the effect it creates for her cubs. I remain trapped in that for a long time, always in the effect stage, always in a reactionary position. A child reacts, but a mature adult processes, then reacts. The trap of many children of a tiger parent is that the very thing I talked about earlier, there was very little regard for the social and emotional development. I realized very acutely that my own social and emotional development was so primitive. I had trouble expressing things, and the voice in my head was really not of a developed one that I could take ownership of, but that of my mom. It was linked to my self-esteem, my self-confidence, creating doubt, a fear-based type of thought process that I didn't see opportunities in abundance, but more limited to few options. I ended up in professional pursuits that I was unhappy with, that gave me not much fulfillment. The relationship I had with myself and with others, especially intimate ones, mirrored the lack of the same emotional underdevelopment. When I argued, I argued with very little compromise and I had a deep fear that love was conditional because love was always linked to seeking approval, seeking validation through achievement. I need to achieve somebody's love. Where does that lead me now though? It's been a long road and the road still seems long, but self-development is being able to see clearly what is toxic for you and what benefits you on the other hand. It is a personal editing process of life. To build up your own self-development is to build up trust in yourself and not through the scope of someone else, like a tiger mom's voice. So why is the tiger mom so ferocious? Because she wants to control the outcome, leaving very little trust in the actual child they are hoping to develop. Falao piety has some merit. Sure, you do want to pay back those, especially your parents that have given you life and opportunity. But to trust yourself is to also understand each generation is different, that you can take what has worked for past generations, but for you, careers, professions, values, cultures, opportunities, society, and most of all, awareness and consciousness are ever evolving. If mental health and psychology is more of a Western evolution of science and thought, and there is starting to be real data that supports its effectiveness, it becomes a responsibility not of the previous Tiger Mom's generation to accept it, but of this current to pioneer it. 
We are those people. That is the very power I began to realize that I have. That I don't need to be conditioned from my tiger parenting environment. But I can apply influence what I learned to that same environment. My mindset became less fixed on a result. Because if you have made any personal emotional development, you can best bet it's taking a lot of time and understanding a process is to understand patience and perseverance. This, that same perseverance that was needed in the immigrant generation is still in the current, but channeled differently. I thank you for listening, and I honestly have no idea if this served as any consolation or comfort, because the truth is, I'm still working through so much in understanding these very things that are shrouded in fog, much like understanding I have of my own mom. The more I talk, it always feels like there's less answers, but more questions. Such is the process of unfolding intergenerational trauma. This is only the beginning of having the bravery, the vulnerability, to engage in deep, painful, and hopeful conversations with my own tiger mom. So I would like to say to you listening, just know that you are not alone in these frustrations, and there is a vision and pathway to evolve, to grow your mindset beyond that of a cub of a tiger mom. That love is not linear, like a pathway to success, as defined by a tiger mom. It's not a test where you need to get an A on, but multidimensional. What is narrow does not need to remain so. I would like to end this episode with a personal message to my tiger mom. Mama, I know I've tried and failed in so many ways to be the son you probably wanted me to be. And I know you've tried and failed in so many ways to be the mom you probably wanted to be. The hardships you've gone through to give me the life I have lived today, I only understand an ounce of. But I'm here to listen and start to unfold every little bit of it. I can speak and ask the questions that are so difficult for you to word. I can be the one to say I love you and not need a response back because I know it's hard. We've endured the pain of dad. And when I ran away, I know it broke your heart. I wasn't there to see it, but you shed tear that I always feared would bring me to my knees because I'm almost never ever seen you cry, only when grandma and grandpa passed. When I finally came home, you welcomed me back with open arms. Your pain was always my pain, but your strength was always my strength. And now my healing will be your healing. You are the one that has given me the courage to be here now and speak my truths because of the perseverance and power in which you live. It's the inspiration that is embedded in this whole podcast, in the relationships which I cultivate now with others, but mostly myself. And lastly, with you, unconditional love. I used to be a hurt boy, but I've grown into a man I hope you can be proud of. This man is your son, and you will always be our son. Thank you for listening to this episode. I know it was all over the place, but trust me, I tried my best to get through it. And with that said, I really hope this finds you well. If you ever have any struggles with your tiger mom, with tiger parenting, please feel free to message me, email me, and all the links that I have below. And with that said, I can't wait to talk to you next week. Cheers. <laughs>